Good morning. How are we? Good, good, good. I that's fantastic. You know the the what I shared before we started about being a community that, that we hear so much about the presence of God. We hear so much about longing for the presence of God, and the Bible makes it really that simple. You know, we just come together in His name, and we stand together and we praise the goodness of God in His name. That's how easy it is. And when we come with a posture like that, we position ourselves ready to hear from God, ready to see Him move and ready to be filled with, with what you're feeling right now. And you know that that's one of the things I really want to encourage everybody is that what, you're, what we experienced this morning and what you're feeling doesn't have to just be here on a Sunday morning. You can have that every morning you wake up. You can have that every meeting at work, every lunchtime, every afternoon. We choose how to step into His presence like that. That when we posture ourselves, God, I'm doing this for you, I'm doing this with you, we get to step into that place. So the freedom that we have in that allows us to be with God in his presence in everything we do. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning. And when we learn how, I'm also still learning how to, to step into his presence in everything that we do, our lives become so much easier and so much more fulfilled. We are going to talk this morning about our vision. And I wanted to... I want to recap this and keep showing you guys this throughout the whole year. This will not be the first time or the last time that you will hear this. I know I've already done it before and we're going to do it again and again until all of us honestly feel like we're, we're pushing this thing and it's a part of who we are. You know, I heard a, um, a quote that Tozer um, was written in one of Tozer's books. He didn't write it. He stole it from somewhere else and I'm going to steal it from him. But the, the quote talked about the fact that the same in, a, in an ocean, the same wind pushes boats. But it's the sails that they put up that direct the boats where they go. They all go different directions, but they're being pushed by the same wind. They have different callings, different positions to go, different places, different destinations, but it's the same wind that pushes them, yet they go different directions. And the reality of that is that the, the sails that we put up is our vision. The sails that we, we put where God wants us to go is, is who we are and what we're doing. So I want to speak this morning. I'm going to do this this week and next week. The first half, I want to look at our DNA and then how we outwork that. And then the next half is going to be the exciting things that we have coming for, for the church. So I want you to just bow your heads. We're just going to pray and I'm just going to try and get out of the way here while God does what he does. So Father, we just, we honor you, God. Jesus, we come to this place to worship you and to praise you. The very reason that we're all here, God, is for for your glory, Father. So I just pray right now, Lord God, that whatever I say that's of me, Father, that you break it away. But God, everything that you want to say this morning, Father, I pray that you plant seeds in, in all of our hearts this morning. Seeds that begin to grow like wildfire, Father. I just pray this morning, God, that you, you set our hearts on fire. That Holy Spirit, you are welcome to come and do what you do best. And just break into our lives, Father. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, one of the things that I want to um, explain the difference is that our DNA, the, 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 our makeup, the thing that makes us who we are, that every church carries a DNA. That God has given all of us 
houses, different things to do. As is explained by Paul and throughout the Bible, the church, the body of Christ is exactly that, a body. That we have different parts, different things, different positions in what Christ has for us. So we are, are no more no more important than the church up the road. We're no more fancy than the church that meets after us. Rather, we are doing what we feel called to do. And for everyone who's sitting in this room, there's obviously a reason that you sit here, that God has put something on your heart to be a part of, of this blueprint, be a part of, of this part of his body. We have started, I've started meeting with, with some of the local churches around just to start discussing you know, what their body looks like, what their house looks like. And it excites me that, that their vision is so different to ours. Because what that means is that God is, is doing a number of things across the city. A number of jobs are being completed. A number of, of, of people are being challenged and changed in different ways. And we play a small but significant part in that. And for every person that sits here, like I said, there's a reason that you're here. There's a reason that God has placed you in this, in this seat for such a time. So our DNA is, is, is who we are and our vision, which I'm going to speak on both today, our vision is how we outwork who we are. There's no good for us to be um, incredible soldiers of God and then sit in a room and not do anything with that. So it's important for us to have a DNA. It's important for us to know who we are, but it's just as important to understand how we outwork that in our city, in our nation, and in the nations. So I want to spend some time this morning just going through that and really breaking down what we see this church being, a few months ago, Edie, when, when did we take over? A few months ago? Six months ago? Yeah. August last year. If you ever need to know a date, Edie has all the dates. She's the carrier of dates. 13th of August, my wife, Jess, the beautiful lady over there who's going to hate me that I've said that, um, and I took over. God, God stirred in us a, a desire to do something. And it wasn't that Mal and Edie weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They too felt the desire to hand to somebody else that God was calling forth. So we truly believe, along with Mal and Edie, that, that God called us into this lead position. But one of the things that, that I will speak about next week is that we, we want to do it in partnership. Both in partnership with Mal and Edie and others that will come onto that team, but partnership with you guys as well. This building doesn't happen without dedicated people who are following Christ with us. We cannot and will not do this on our own. I actually pray that if, if Jess and I and Mal and Edie have to start picking it up on our own, we'll close the doors. Because this is meant to be a family. We are, are desiring to, to create a family of God. And in a family, everybody has a part. Everybody plays their part and, and the family grows organically and continues to move forward. So one of the things that, that Jess and I are passionate about is recreating the church as God intended it in the New Testament. We have the most incredible blueprints to walk forward to. And we want to challenge ourselves and challenge you guys for us to continue to walk forward in that. I, got, I forget that I'm clicking. Okay. Um, so we, when praying about the, the church and, and spending time with God, God showed me four things, four areas that that we truly believe that, that we are called and this house is called to affect change in the greater body. That we believe that, that our job in this house and our job for this house 
is to, to effect change in the greater body of Christ in these four areas. So if you're taking notes, the, the first one that you can take is discipleship. The first point that we, we really feel that, that the church that we need to build into is disciples. You know that when Jesus came, Jesus came and he called discipleship, disciples. For those of you who have been here, you heard my series on, on discipleship and what that actually looks like. But the reality of that is that we don't just have converts that come and sit in a house, that come and sit and listen. But actually a disciple, which we see outworked in the Bible in the, in the New Testament, was a hands-on role. At the moment that a disciple failed to grow, he wasn't actually walking out his calling as a disciple. That it was actually in, in the New Testament, the reason that we see Jesus call them and they put everything down that they had and walk towards that is because it was one of the greatest honors in that time that you could walk in. That the work of your father's house didn't carry as great an honor to be a disciple. To sit under the teaching of the greatest rabbi, Jesus Christ, was the biggest honor we could be asked in the embodiment of the church now we all get that option to be disciples we all get to carry the greatest honor that they saw in in the new testament was to be a follower a disciple a, a a student of jesus the greatest rabbi so one of the things that you can see on there and i just want to explain something i've got written up there that this house will be and the reason that I've written it like that is because we aren't claiming to work, walk perfectly in these things. But we are claiming that these are the things that we are, we are looking at and walking toward. So it's not about we've done this and other churches need to follow suit. It has nothing to do with that. This is a, a, a cry for all of us, including myself. And I look at these often because when I change something, when Jess and I and, and Mal and Edie look at the church, we look at it through the vision that God's given us. So this is not a we've done this and everyone else needs to follow suit. This is a, guys, we are all walking towards this. So when I say that this house will be a house that trains and equips the saints for the building up of the body as Christ intended, what I'm, what I'm meaning by that is that that is something that we are going to continue to walk towards. And the moment that, that we stop doing that, we need to hear that we've stopped doing that. We need to see and step back. Sometimes it, sometimes we all know the saying that you can be too close to a picture, right, when you're painting. And when you step back, you see the things that are, have faults in it. Sometimes we, we look too closely to one area and we're, and we're missing the bigger picture. But God is constantly calling us to look at the bigger picture. Look at what he's doing. So that verse in Ephesians 4, it actually talks about the fact that, that the reason that the gifts were given to the body were for equipping the work of the body and the building of a Christ. And the building of the body of Christ, rather. The gifts were given, and we're going to talk about this as we go through the year, the gifts were given for the work and the building of the body. God didn't give gifts for us to just bring them in and have them sit in this one place. God gave us gifts for a house to be able to go and do what that gift was called to go and do. The gifts that have, we have sitting in this house will differ from person to person. Some of you won't be able to, to preach from the pulpit like this. But the people that are preaching can't go out and do what you can go out and do. So we've built this, this picture of the church where I want to get to that place. I want to step all the stones until I get to that place. But in actual fact, God mightn't have that for you. He might have something else for you. But in the same note, he might have that for you and you don't want that. But he's calling you into that. 
You guys have heard me say a, a multitude of times, I didn't necessarily want to lead a church. <laughs> I wanted to go and do something else, but I had to follow the call that God gave me. And the blessing that we walk in that, the, the outpouring that God gives us in that when we start to listen to his heart is incredible. So the gifts were given for the very building of the body, that discipleship, that sitting at the feet of Jesus and growing and learning. I want to say to you, if you don't feel like you're growing and if you don't feel like you're, you're moving forward, you need to change something. You know, that, that, that picture of, of the lobster, that it feels so uncomfortable in its shell that it actually takes its shell off and gets into another shell because it's, and, and builds another shell because it's so uncomfortable. We have to get to that place where we, we go, I'm uncomfortable but I know I'm growing. That that next thing you're scared to do, you're scared because it's going to be uncomfortable, but God's calling you into that place. That's true discipleship. When we read through the Bible and we look at the disciples as, as we move along, we start to understand that, Flip, they weren't comfortable a lot of the time. They didn't understand a lot of the time. It's okay for us to be uncomfortable. It's okay for us not to understand, but it's not okay for us to not stop walking where God wants us to walk. So when we start to understand that discipleship, that we want to be a house that, that is challenging people to continue to grow in that discipleship. That when people come through the door, all of us are positioning ourselves in a place where it's such a healthy environment for growth that people don't want to leave and they need to come back for that. I want to come back because I know that I'm growing in God there. I know that I'm feeling uncomfortable, that I'm moving toward His calling. I'll say it now, but I think it's written down and to say later. But we can we can change we can change the lights, we can change the meeting times, we can make the air cons warmer, we can do all the things that that we can change in this building. But if you're not growing closer to God in a discipleship with Him, then it's it's not worth anything. So what we have to begin to understand is yes, it's nice to have nice things. It's nice for us to put plants in. Look at those plants. Nice plants, eh? It's nice, to, it's nice to have those things, and it's nice to have a building, and we are so grateful that God has given us this incredible building. But the moment it starts to become about that, we've missed this. The moment that becomes more important, we've missed this. And this is what Jesus was calling his people to. I've always said it, and it's extreme, but I've always said the moment the building becomes too important, we tear the building apart. We take the chairs up, we rip the carpet up, we take the lights down. Because that's not what we're here to do. The moment that becomes more important than what we were in this morning, where, where God was tangible in who we are, God was here, present in our worship. The moment this becomes more important than that, this has to go. Because we can't have Him going. The last point on this is um, we, we heard, and I'll, I'll talk about Mike and Charmaine a little bit next week, but we heard Mike, one, one of the um, apostles that comes into our house, he spoke about being an image bearer of Christ. That Paul asked for, for, his, for people to follow him as he followed Christ because he carried the image of Christ. As disciples, when we walk toward Christ, we're walking in the growth of that image that we bear of him. So when we think about discipleship, we've got to think, okay, how do I learn how to become a disciple? I learn how to bear the image of Christ. Where? On church on a Sunday morning? No, everything that we do, we start to understand that I'm the image of Christ everywhere. I don't know if that car salesman knows who Jesus is. I don't know if, if that person knows who Jesus is, but this is my life. This is who I am.
someone ch- um, asked me what I did for a living. And I said, oh, well, I don't really do anything for a living. I kind of just do who I am. You know, I, yes, I work for a church and I, and I do these things, but until it actually becomes who I am and I get up in the morning to just do what God wants me to do, that's who I am. Right? We have to begin to understand that. And that is hard because sometimes I do feel like I'm going to the office. And I do feel like I'm, I'm, I'm working at something, but we need to change our mentality to understand that I'm a disciple of God. So who I am is to walk towards He is, who He is. Is that okay? Those taking notes got point number one. Fantastic. Point number two, our focus. And part of what I was saying before is that one of the, one of the things that we need to learn how to, to walk in is positioning our lives in Jesus and becoming examples of Him. If you've seen the, the background slide, the thing I preached on a few weeks and the thing that we're starting to put out more and more, that's the, the slogan, if you will, the, the outcry of our church. Becoming examples of Jesus. That we have to position ourselves to focus on Him. It doesn't always come naturally for us. Can, everyone can agree, huh? It does, it's not always the first thing we think of. But it's our choice to position ourselves. The Bible says that we, we're, to, we're to focus on heavenly things. That's a choice that we have to make. That's something that we decide in our day-to-day lives that we are going to focus on you, Jesus. And as a church, as a, as a, as a community, a, a part of the body of Christ, we don't ever want to lose that focus. Like I was saying with the lights and the, and the, the building, it can also happen in our teaching, it can happen in our conversations, that we lose focus on what we're actually here to do. And there's times where, where we're missing it and we don't understand that we're missing it. So I want to ask for grace in walking through that. But we walk through that together. That there's times where, the, where we are missing things. But as a family, I want to walk through those things and go, yeah, you're right. You know, we, we need to change that. And we look to change those things. But the reality is, is that everything that we do we need to be looking as a church, are we focusing on Christ in this? One day, God willing, we'll move out of this building because we'll, over, we'll outgrow it. But the reality in that is, God, I don't want to lose focus on you when we move. I don't want to lose focus on you when we do prayer meetings, when we gather together. Our focus in Christ is, is, is the very point that we've come to do. Paul, in the Bible, taught the gospel of Jesus. We mustn't begin to teach the gospel of Paul or the gospel of Ben or the gospel of, insert, whoever your favorite preacher is. Those things are helpful. But Paul always pointed toward Jesus, always. His teaching was always about who Jesus was, what he did, the blueprints that he laid out. So in our teachings, in our understandings, that is great. I don't want to discourage you from listening to other other preachers and teachers do that. It's helpful. But always go back and understand who Jesus is in that. When you hear somebody preach and teach, and there's some incredible ones out there, and we all have at our fingertips some of the, the most incredible, powerful men of God, but when it becomes about that person, we've missed the point. We can go to the most 
incredible meetings. I actually heard someone say the other day, funnily enough, he was talking about, it was Francis Chan, and he was talking about the fact that if, if we did a, a, a prayer meeting and we invited Bill Johnson to come and speak, everybody who knows our church would come because he's an, he's an incredible teacher. But if we're to do a prayer meeting where the highlight is we're going to sit in the presence of God, we fumble it a bit and we go, oh, it's Wednesday night. I know that's tough. I had to pause the video and just sit there for 10 minutes to really think about that for myself. But you know, the focus in that is on Christ, not on a guest speaker, not on a gift, not on a person. One of the things Jess and I talk about often is about building positions where you outbuild yourself. So some of the things I talk about with the guys in in the different areas of the church is if you're not training somebody in your position, there's something wrong. You should be training somebody below you to take your job in the church. Because God will make this thing operate through any hands that are willing to do it. And yes, there's gifts and callings, but there's also there's a time where Jess and I believe God will call us on to something. Now, I'm not rushing to that, but I'm aware of that. So I'm also saying, well, God, if that's the case, then we need to be raising people. But also so when people go out and plant churches, we need to be able to feel like we gave them the gifts that that God's given this house. So when someone says, I want to go and help that church plant, we've given them the gifts. We've we've given them the ability to, to understand who they are in Christ through how they saw how we are in Christ in this house. I'm going off track a little bit. I don't know if that has to do with focus, but I just said it, so (laughs) we got there. When our focus shifts, we stop living according to our first focus, Jesus, and we start living according to whatever else we have set our eyes on. In every area of our life, as a church gathered and as a church scattered, when we focus on something, that's what we become. When we focus on something, that's what we become. What are we focusing on? We ask ourselves that regularly, both a gathered church and a scattered church. What I mean by, what I mean by gathered and scattered is when we come together like this in a corporate setting, we are the gathered church. When we go out into our lives, into our spheres of influence, we're the scattered church. We don't cease being church. Right? We don't cease being the body of Christ because we're not together. It just changes when we come together and when we go out. He showed us and continued to show us the way. All we have to do is follow. But in order to follow him, we must be focused on him. Cool? Point number three. Reformation. The reason that it's written like this and the reason that I'm saying it funny or maybe not funny to some, that's how I wouldn't say it, but is that the Reformation we talk about often and we talk about reformed churches and we think about in, in theological writing when they speak about reformed churches, they speak about churches that are, are essentially preaching the law, that, that sort of thing. But that word Reformation is actually to take something that's been broken and to rebuild it 
into something else. So I, in, in a way, I want to I redeem that word to say that as a church, we need to reform. We need to stop following the old model and go back to the oldest model that Jesus set out. When we look at churches and it's... We do, we speak with, with churches all over the coast and there's things that I hear that, that breaks my heart. We had a, a new couple come in and tell a story of a couple of churches and it breaks my heart. Not to say I wouldn't tell anybody not to go there, but I just go, Flip, what are the things that we're doing wrong? What are the things that we're falling short on? What are the things that, that we're not following Christ in? So one of, the, one of the major points that we want to start to focus on is how do we reform the church back into what Christ had for us? How do we begin to build the house how God intended us to build the house? I've been hearing a lot about revival. I was talking to Brad about it during the week. It irks me. Because as I was sitting there listening to this guy speak about revival, God put on my heart, why do you need more than one revival? Stop killing it and I'll have to and I can stop reviving it. Why do we need to keep being revived? Why can't we be revived and then do what we're called to do? The language I think is wrong. We're not looking for a revival. We're looking for a health in the church and to maintain that health. God, give what you have for us and give us the ability, the strength and the wisdom to continue to maintain your call for us. The outpouring we've seen of God, we've seen many outpourings. They are incredible. And yes, we long for an outpouring of God, but I don't think that mimics a revival. That's God pouring out on his church. And the interesting thing with that is that in in uh, Mark, in Mark, I'll get the verse in a second because all my notes are all funny. In in Mark two verse twenty two, the Bible talks about the fact that that Jesus says, "Would I pour new wine into an old wine skin?" We've talked about this before, but the interesting thing in that verse is that Jesus says, "If I take that new wine and I pour it into the old wine skin, the old wine skin will burst and the wine will be ruined." What that highlights is that Jesus isn't saying, I don't want to pour the skin because you're not ready. He's saying, I can't pour the wine. Sorry, the wine. I can't pour the wine because you're not ready. And if I pour it, it'll explode the skin and it'll ruin the wine. So we're crying out saying, God, we, we want revival. Won't you pour it? Won't you pour it? But he's saying, I can't pour it because the skin's not ready. So when we begin to understand, okay, well, if the church is the, is the wineskin and, and the Spirit of God is the, is the wine, God, how do we position ourselves ready for you to pour out the fresh wine? And I truly honest, honestly believe, and one of the things that, that we stand on in this house is that the, the renewing of that wineskin is to reform the church. To understand that when we go back to what was originally, when we go back to that family, that community of people who actually sit and belong with one another, that's the new skin that God's pouring out. When we break down this this show-like church, when we break down this entertainment business that seems to be rife in the house of God, when we tear that apart and we say to God, we're here, servants, community of people, willing to see you move. God says, you're ready. Here's the wine. 
But until we learn how to reform the body of Christ back to what he originally put in the book of Acts, he cannot pour the wine because it will explode us and ruin the wine. One of the biggest things, this is one of the the most (laughs) frustrating things for me, but also the most exciting things for me. And, And I pray almost every day that God gives us the wisdom and the strength to do this. I'm by no means saying that this is an easy feat. I know there's lots of churches who have tried to to break the culture, have tried to swim upstream from this and have failed. But I'm saying, God, if you've put this on my heart, then give us the strength and the wisdom to make it happen. You see, when he gives us a vision like this, he gives us the grace to outwork it. When he gives you a call, he gives you the tools to finish the call. We don't think that because we stand at the base of the mountain looking up going, God, I can't walk that. And he's saying, you've got the tools, just start. I'll give you more tools as you go along. So please don't take me for, like I was saying at the start, with, with arrogance or pride saying, this is what we want to do. This is what our heart beats for. This is what I'm regularly praying God continues to move in this house. And as I said, I hope that he, that, that I'm able to, and, and as a team, we're able to, to use the wisdom of God to continue to carry this. But we have to start somewhere. I actually wrote this all out in a very large document because I like to write words and it was very, very theologically schooled because that that was what I learned to do at uni. And I sent it to a friend of mine and he wrote back and he said, that's a big ask. And I, I thought to myself, flip, it is a big ask. But if God's asked me to do it, I've got to start to put the steps in place to start to do it. We can't climb the mountain if we don't start somewhere. So the part of what we're doing here, part of what, what I feel this church is called to is this. And a part of what you guys are called is to continue this with us as a team, as a family. Like I said at the beginning, there's a reason that we sit in the seats that we sit in. There's a reason that we're called to this place and not that place. That when God has our heart beat, I don't know, there's nothing fancy about it, but I'm going because I know God's called me to go. That's when we can start to get this job done. I know I'm not really reading the things that are up there, but I can share these slides. Um, man, you know, sometimes you, like, I don't know if anyone's ever written sermons, you plan it in your head and you know how you're going to say it, and then you get here and it's nothing like that. So hopefully it's making sense. This house will redeem the nature of the bride of Christ that is evident in Scripture and redeem the language redeem the language of the early church. The last slide. The last point. Our mission. This house will bring people in, train them and send them back out. This house will not build into itself but will continue to send people back into their spheres of influence. Please don't take this slide that we're going to get you in for a bit, then we're going to ship you off. That's not what I mean. But we are going to ship you out. Because if we just if we just gather in here and we just do our little bits in here, we're not doing what we're meant to be doing out there. Now, I know that we're not all called to be evangelists because I don't believe I'm called to be an evangelist. I just I get all fumbly. It doesn't make any sense when I start talking to people. However, I have, I have a job to do out there. And my job is to be Christ 
in my spheres of influence. So if you're not sure what a sphere of influence is, it's the people that you mingle with from day to day. Your workplace, your sports team, your mum's group, that friend you have coffee with, that's your sphere of influence, your family. One of the things that, that used to frustrate me about this mission slide, because it's in just about every church vision, but it is important because that's what we're called to a greater commission, is that what happens for the single mum when we just talk about something like the Horn of Africa, that's the mission field. What happens for, for the single mum who can't get to the Horn of Africa? Does that mean that she does away with this slide? No, absolutely not, because she has a mission call. She has people to reach that those guys going to the Horn of Africa can't reach. Those mum groups, her kids. You know, I, heard a, I heard an amazing preach from um, Reinhard Bonnke. And if you know Reinhard, he had an uh, incredible ministry in Africa. But he said that I wouldn't have been where I was if it wasn't for my Sunday school teacher. That small seed she planted saw millions saved. We can't discount any gift that God brings into the house because every gift will do what God wants it to do. And every gift operates where God wants it to operate, which means that there's people out there who can, can flow in what God has for them just by being who they are and who God made them to be. So please, 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 if you, if you are sitting in something like a mum's group or you work in an office with only one other person, please don't feel that you don't have a mission. Because God has something for you, and it is important. But press into him and find out what that looks like. Press into him and find out what that means. You know, for we have a, a, a few guys here who are in our home but are, are also at, at YWAM. You know, that is an incredible feat of mission. But there's also people in this house that, that they can't do things that you're doing. And you can't do the things that they're doing. So rather than being upset and discouraged by them, why not encourage them? You know, and guys who, who have the opportunity to, to go to places around the world, why not encourage those that can't? Encourage them in the gifts that they carry. Because we all carry something. When we come in to the house, we must grow. And we must go into our spheres of influence. For some of us, that will mean planting churches. For some of us, that will mean going to Horn of Africa. For some of us, that will mean going to that same mother's group every week and being a light in that place. We need to understand that the call that we have here is to grow and reach the people that those around us can't reach. Reach the people God's called us to and be what he wants you to be in those places. Is that okay? What are the four what are the four points? Discipleship, focus, reformation. What was the last one? Mission. Oh, I forgot it for a second. <laughs> okay, if you've got your Bibles with me, I'm quickly just gonna I'm gonna just quickly explain some of the areas that we that we I need probably 10, 15 more minutes. If you need to go, that's okay. If you've got your Bibles with me, go with me to uh, Colossians 2, 6, verse 15. The first, one that we, the first one that we looked at was discipleship. And 
And just hold on Colossians 2, 6, verse 15. We're going to get there in a minute. The first one that we talked about was discipleship. In this house, at the moment, these are the areas that we, we are actively discipling in. The first one is preaching. Now, I know that sounds odd because there's about, only about four or five of us that preach, but we're all preachers in our own rights. If you're not learning and, and, and asking God to show you how to articulate the word and how to explain the word, every one of us will not necessarily preach, but every one of us will talk to somebody about God. And one of the things that, that I, that irks me again is when someone says, Hey, can you come and talk to my friend? Because I need you to explain Jesus to them. And I go, Why didn't you do it? Why do I need to go? I, I just can't do it as well as you can. And I think, well, thanks for the compliment, taking compliments. Huh? Thanks for the compliment, but that makes me feel like I should have been able to train you better to be able to go and be the light that God needs you to be. We need to be able to be in that position where, where we're saying, man, I know who my, my father is. I know who my Lord is. Let me tell you who he is. And hey, I don't know my Bible that well. I can't toss out the scriptures and I don't know the Greek or the Hebrew, but I know who he is. And I'll give you the bits that I know. And it's this simple, he loves you. But until we learn how to do that, until we actually understand, I don't want people to send people to me. I know that that may sound blunt, but the the reality of it is, is that I want to be able to train you guys to then go to those people. Yes, we want guys coming in. We want guys hearing the message because God is obviously giving the, the people who preach from here certain words about certain things and it's encouraging and it's helpful. But out there, you should be able to just express who your father is. Some of us, some, some of us will be able to do it very well. We'll be able to go into the Greek or the Hebrew. We'll be able to, but that doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. Some of the guys I listen to just... With, with evangelistic gifts and they just speak about Jesus so simply and so beautifully and I go, flip that guy, that's awesome. I wish he would show me how to do that. Because it doesn't always look the same but it should look like something to you. So we need to learn how to, how to preach and teach our friends, our family, our spheres. The second one up there is our children and our youth. We currently have Julie heading our children and our youth up, doing a great job. I struggle with youth. It's so hard. These guys do the best job. Jess, my wife, and a few of you other guys that serve, you do such an incredible job. We want to start to step that up. We don't know what that looks like yet. It looks like Mal with a flaming blower at the front of the church. <laughs> we don't know what that looks like, but we do know this. We need, we need more guys willing to help the kids because they're our next generation. And we are discussing a blueprint for what that looks like, asking God to show us. But for me, it's, it doesn't come easily. For some of these guys, it does. So we need to grow our younger generation, and not just in kids' church. Your children, teach your children how to worship. When we come into worship, don't, don't let your kids go to the back and color. Have them next to you. Explain to them why we sing. Explain to them why we raise our hands, that we're here to surrender to God. Start to set an example for your kids that this, this God we worship is incredible. It'll be difficult. And they may carry on and, and, and make some noise. But do you think Jesus sat in silence while he taught? 
There would have been pigs and cows and goats and all kinds. The disruption is okay. We have to get out of this. It needs to be perfect. But what's more important is you teach your kids how to worship, how to pray, how to understand God. And for us that don't have kids, how do we be an example to those kids when they come running through and they ask questions and they, they you know, that's how we need to be thinking. We grow our kids the same way we grow each other. We spur them on, we, we talk with them, we be there with them. Praise and worship, we, we have new leaders coming up and man, we, praise and worship is just breaking. Does, it, does anyone else agree with that? Hey? Things are changing and, and the only thing that, that we're doing for that is just listening to God. God, what do you want us to do in this? And one of the things that we really feel called to is to focus on Jesus in our worship. Remove the focus from ourselves and put the focus on Jesus, which is all we did this morning, and it was phenomenal. Hospitality is the same, the same thing, removing the focus from ourselves and, and allowing God's love to radiate through people. We want to begin to, to disciple people in that area, how to, how to be hospitable, not just on a Sunday morning, but in your own home. How do we make dinners for people and, and create space for, for people where they, they can begin to understand God's love through the way that, that they get fed? If any of you guys have ever been to Arn and Joe's place, Joe has an incredible gift for hospitality. You feel God's love when she puts the food out on the table because it just gets filled with food. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love going. When we learn how to, to love on people like God loves on us through certain, these certain areas, we learn how to grow. The last two up there are community outreach groups, our COGS. I, I know that you guys are all wanting to be able to go to one, and I, I want to thank you for your patience. God showed us a, a vision for this when we first started, that these groups have to grow slowly and organically. We didn't want to just select five people to lead and select five groups. We wanted to start them one at a time. So at the moment we have two, in the coming months we'll have a third, and then hopefully by mid, early to mid-year we will have enough groups for everybody to go to one. So I just want to ask for your patience. The reason, again, we're doing that is that when we get leaders, the way that they work is that we've started a group, there's a leader in that group. That leader has to be raising another leader. That in six months the group splits in half and that new leader takes their own group. So what happens is that after a year, two years, we've hopefully got 10 to 15 groups. And the, the passion for that is that I hope that guys are inviting people from their workplaces, inviting places from all over, so that when it starts to grow organically, in two years we've got 30 groups. And to be honest, I don't mind if they all don't come to this church. The, the, the point in it is that God's name is being glorified and that the, the, the cities are being reached. The other thing that happens in those groups is they're met around a meal. Because we commune together. We remember who God is and we commune together. So, firstly, thank you for being patient with us. It's a slow process. It's not the normal process, but we really believe that this is how we get the job done well. So, we will give more information as, as it comes out. The last one up there, set-free care. Set-free care is an incredible blessing to this house. God is doing things there that are just changing the city. At the moment, it's, it's a buried seed. Things are happening in it, but it doesn't look like we're taking monstrous steps forward. Things are happening. We are currently waiting for a kitchen. Um, 
to be able to move fully into the building. But I want you to continue to pray for this. We have people that come to this to set free care who are just broken. We have wealthy men and women that come to get a free feed. They can afford more than that, but they're broken. They're, they're, they're lost. They're hurt. They're looking for companionship. This is an area where God is giving us to say, here, reach your community. Show them this city who I am. And we are doing all that we can to say, God, we want to do this. How do we do it? And little by little, we're taking steps toward something that he's building to reach this place. Cool. Sorry I'm speeding through. I just know that we've... Go with me quickly to Colossians 2, 6 verse 15, if you're already there. In the same way you received Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truth of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the Anointed One, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we are held in sin's for we were held in sin's grasp. And now we've been resurrected of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. He cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased, all our, he erased all our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and now permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. How do we do all of this that I've just been saying? That's how we do all of this. If you are taking notes, if you have a Bible, mark that verse in your Bible. Because you know that that very quickly is saying, how do we do all of the things that we're supposed to do? Jesus. It's very simple. It is complicated, but it is also very simple. It's very simple in the fact that when we understand, and that's why we... In the next three weeks, we're going to take the time to break down what the gospel is. Because when we begin to understand that 
how do we how do we do all these things that we're supposed to do? That verse expresses the fact that Jesus did already. And through him, we gather the power to walk and operate in what he wants us to operate. I just want to finish with this. And I, next week I'll, I'll, I'll do the rest. But I just want to finish. These are the four things that we've just talked about. And while I understand that all of these things will be happening will be happening at the same time and will be happening from person to person, we can't be focused without being disciples. We can't reform the church if we're not focused on Christ. And we can't complete our mission if the church hasn't been reformed. So essentially what, what, I, what I see for this church and what we feel God pushing us toward is tackling these areas within this house and becoming a place where he can, can break in and can begin to change us. Why don't you stand? I apologize that I, I went a little over and I know there's a lot there, but I have two weeks to, <laughs> to get it all out of my head and get it onto, <laughs> onto your papers. So why don't we just pray? Father God, we just come to you right now, Lord. I just pray, Father, that anything I've spoken this morning, Lord, that's not of you, God, just falls away. Father, but I pray, Lord, that this, this vision, Lord, as you, Father, as you've planted this vision, that it begins to grow organically, Lord, in who you are. That it begins to grow, Father, in, in everything that you are, Lord God, and, and it begins to, to be so easy for us to do this because you're behind it, Father. I just pray here this morning that you just begin to, to plant seeds in hearts, Lord. That as things are highlighted to us, Lord, we begin to press into that place to do our part, to do our, give our gift in that area. We thank you for who you are, Jesus, and we honor you in this place. We love you and we honor you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening diligently. I know it was long. If you missed something, the slides will be up tomorrow, so you'll be able to have a listen and a, and a look. God bless. The bill is on.